Kufnun Hayyam Udbeis by the Mishnah. We're discussing more halachis about feeding animals, which we spoke about before. And it seems that it'll be, some of them will be at least about extra work for animals, which is not necessary for Shabbos. And then there'll be some other halachis involved. Ain oiv You may not stuff, not stuff as in a stuffed animal, but as in feed excessively a camel, as we'll see soon what that means. Loi dorsin is something similar that you stuff, you push in barley into her throat, but not as much as oivsin, as we'll see some what that means. Avo malitin, but you could feed her in a way which is described as malitin, as the Gemara will describe. Now, similar to that, you may not feed calves in a way that's considered ma'amirin, as the Gemara will describe. Avo malitin. But you could be malit, as the Gemara will describe, umahalkitin, and it could be, I'm sorry, umahalkitin, and may be mahalkit for roosters, for, for, for chickens. They would feed animals the shaft, the, 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 like the, the pills of the, of the meat, and they would mix it with water. So you have to do that, although they stick together somewhat. Uh, because this, this Mishnah holds at least that just pouring water is not considered kneading, or maybe it only applies to the shaft, which is not usually needed. It's called a nat bar gibble. And then pouring the water is not a problem. We'll see soon about it. Avalei goivlim, but you're not allowed to actually need it. So the, the simple understanding is this Tana holds that whenever you mix uh, small particles with water that combines them, the issue is only if you actually need it, not if you just pour the water and you just let it combine. That's not considered eating. That's not considered the mulach of lush. You may not give water for bees to drink. Why not? We'll see. Or for doves in the, 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 I don't know what you call it, those high houses they would make for the doves. And first, for you know, free doves, nothing they don't belong to you, it's just a parking place for them. And you want to put some water over there for them to drink, that's not allowed. Avonaisim, but you're allowed to put water in front of geese, with in front of roosters, with the soys, domesticated doves, as hurdus used to have, or as, or as uh, the place of a hardista, whatever it was called. You, they, they used to they used to they used to grow, they used to have doves at home. So those are allowed to give water. So basically, you can only put water for domestic animals, not for free animals. Why? We'll see. Let's try to translate these words. These unusual words in the mission of different ways of feeding an animal, which are allowed or not allowed. So you're not allowed to be oives a camel. What does oives mean? You're not allowed to make a, 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 a what do you call it? A, a, that's a, they call it over here a, a, a trough. A trough a, a, I don't know exactly how to read the word. Trough. 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 That's like a box that they feed the animals with. So you cannot actually like stuff her up and fill her up as if you're making a trough in her stomach. That's uh, that's not allowed. 
And those really, really stuffing a lot into her stomach as if there's a, like a, a whole box of food stored in her stomach. Is it possible? Are you able to stuff so much in an animal? Ian says the Gemara, yes, it's possible. I've seen an Arab. The Archulakura, he fed the animal a kura, a very large amount of uh, of uh, whatever whatever they feed, they feed camels, uh, the grains that they fed the camels. And Vatina Kura, he loaded on her back a kura of wheat as well. In other words, he stuffed her up a kura, it's a large amount. It, uh, it's, uh, uh, I'm not mistaken, it's 30 so. It's 30 so. And so, oh, okay, so it's 144 eggs, but it's a large, large amount. 30 so to stuff into her stomach is a large amount, but he did it. He did it, and then he put on his on her back a load of uh, a thin load of 30 so uh, to feed her later on the way in case it runs out from her stomach. But basically, you could do that to a camel. Just we know that you could, a camel could store water. So the, those that know how to store food also in the camel for that should slowly digest. And that is not a lot of Shabbos because it's not, not necessary for Shabbos. And it's extra work for, for, for later on. It's not allowed. Fine. Then we say, You may not be ma'amir a calf, but you're allowed to be ma'alit. And you're allowed to be ma'alit like a camel. What is amra? What is alot? Hamra means you feed the animal and then you put it into her throat in a place that it's, it's, she can't let it out from there. It's stuck. It, will, it can only go down. It can't go up. Hal Otto, you could feed it a lot, even a bit forcefully. But the Mokim is in a place that if it wants, it can spit it out. That's Rabbi Huda's interpretation. Both of them Both of them are in a place that they cannot return. Hamra Bekli. Which is not allowed is if you're stuffing it down with a, with a utensil. How auto, which you are allowed is, but yeah, that's with your hand. That's the only difference. But they're both in a place that you cannot return, and they're both and and and, and therefore, if you do it with a hand, that's fine, as long as you don't do it with a utensil. Most of the there's a brace which elaborates a bit more on the details of our mission. It says mahalkit in the You could be mahalkit. The roosters, and he can definitely be malkit for them. Let's see what that means. You may not be malkit to the to the doves in the birdhouses, in the open birdhouses, or the doves which uh, have a nest in your attic. Basically, free doves. You may not be even malkit to them. Of course, okay, now I'm speaking Chinese. Let's try to translate this to our language. So let's see. If you're going to say, means stuffing it down the throat and your hands in a place they cannot return it. And again, I guess in, in, in her in her hands, there's no. Uh, one second. Yeah. In other words, you're going to stuff it down the throat with your hands and malkitin the shodile kamayu. And, and uh, malkitin means you just put it in front of them. And he's trying to tell me basically 
In other words, you're allowed to give something to, the, to their hands. Now you're telling me, who's telling me? Rabbi Huda is telling me that the only way you could feed a domestic animal is in a place that they could return it. So mahalkatin obviously means, if you're allowed to do it to, to a rooster, that if you're putting it in a place, you could return it. Now malkitin, if that's the case, what does malkitin mean? What's the next step? If you, if you don't, if you, it's not putting in her mouth in the place that she could return it. So where are you putting it? It must be the show that they come out. You're putting it in front of them. Now, what are you trying to tell me then? Miklal, according to this comes out, free birds, you may not put food in front of them. Now, the Gemara now assume that that's impossible. What wrong could there be of putting food in front of a bird? So if there's no nothing wrong with that, obviously, that can't be the Pshat. So there's two stages. There's Mahalkitin and there's Malkitin. Mahalkitin is allowed for your rooster and Malkitin is not allowed for, uh, for, for, for free birds. What is Malkitin and what is Mahalkitin? If Mahalkitin means putting it in their mouth and they can spit it out, so Malkitin means putting it in front of them, why can't you do that in front of a free bird? So you must say, Mahalkitin obviously means you stuff it down her throat. And Malkitin means you put it in her mouth. That you put it in her mouth, she could return it. And, and he's telling you that for free birds, you may not put it in their mouth, even in the place that they could return it. It's fine, I can understand. They don't belong to you. You cannot uh, put in too much effort to feed them, uh, even in a way that they could, uh, they could spit it out. Fine. But Miklal, I tried to, so from this I could see, the Hamrabi cleaves. Let's go back to the camps. So you're allowed to feed roosters in a place that they cannot return it. So why not the calves? Obviously, you're allowed to do that the calves as well. So when the Mishnah says you're not allowed to do mamrim to calves, obviously it means something else. Obviously it means if you're using a utensil. So how could you have you to tell me that you're not allowed to stuff a calf in a place, even with your a calf, even with your hand, in a place that it cannot, that in a place that it cannot return? Lachayda, we see from the comparison to, to a rooster that you're allowed to. This proves Rabbi Yehuda's explanation. It means you give it with your hand and you could spit it out. Amalkitin means to show that the Kamai, you put it in front of them. He had a question. The free birds. Am I not allowed to spread in front of them? Yes, you're not allowed to spread in front of them. How come? The, the roosters, you are obligated to feed them. And therefore, you're allowed, to, you're allowed to exert yourself. Even to spread the food in front of them is an extra work, which you're only allowed to do for those that depend on you. However, they're free birds. You don't owe them anything. They don't, you're not responsible for them. And therefore, you're not allowed to even spread it in front of them. Where do we see this? You're allowed to give food to a dog. It was a typical thing, at least for people that lived on the borders of countries to have dogs, guard dogs, watch dogs. They didn't have any pet dogs. They didn't exist those days. We'll see soon. But they had guard dogs, watch dogs. And... Therefore, it was typical for people to have dogs that they have to take care of. So you're allowed to feed a dog, but they you're not allowed to give food to, to, to Hazir which obviously Jews did not raise because it doesn't help you anything. You're just feeding it usually for food and 
obviously you don't have that, and you're not supposed to have a, have a chazer. A dog, you're not either supposed to, unless you need it, as, as the Gemara says, as, as something to guard, but that was typical that they wouldn't have it to guard. And, and therefore, a dog, you're allowed to give it, and a chazer not. Umar Hevrish bin Zelaz, that says the Braisa, what's the difference? You're obligated to feed a dog if you own it. You're not obligated to feed a chazer because you don't own it. So we see clearly that this logic is true. You don't feed even by, by dogs and by chazer. You just put the food in front of them. You don't have to feed them. And you're not allowed to do that to, to someone that doesn't belong to an animal which doesn't belong to you. Fine. Amar very good proof from the Braisa. I can prove that from the Mishnah as well, that you're not allowed to feed animals which don't belong to you. It says, you're just putting it in front of them. If they devote him in front of bees, if they eat him in front of free birds, you're allowed to put them in front of geese, if they turn again in front of roosters, if they in front of domesticated doves, my time, why? Why are you allowed to put water in front of the domesticated animals are not non-domesticated animals. Because you're obligated to feed the domesticated animals. The honey and the free animals, you're not obligated to feed them. And therefore, you cannot put even water in front of them. So we see that even just placing it in front of them is a problem. Says the Gemara, no, 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 no. The price is a good proof. You're trying to prove it from the Mishnah, the contrary. I can maybe maybe disprove it from the mission. Why? With the time make, according to your logic, my area mayo. Why did the mission choose water? I'm not allowed to put food either. So let the mission say, do not put food in front of uh, any of the free animals. Uh, what are you going to answer? Shani mayo the shichi bagmo. Water is an extra job, which is actually similar to the Yudah's logic in last Mishnah, that you're not allowed to do any unnecessary job. And therefore it says to put water, so it's a bit, okay. You're not allowed to put water in front of free animals because they can just go to the swamp and drink water. They don't need to come to you. However, domesticated ones are not gonna go to the swamp. They're stuck in your back garden. So you have to give them water. So, the, so if the Mishnah chooses water, seemingly it could disprove the logic. Seemingly, it's telling you, no, water, which domesticated animals need and free ones do not need, don't put it in front of free ones. But food, maybe you're allowed to. So if you want to be medayik from the Mishnah, you'll be medayik the opposite. But the point of is, like Ravi Yehuda, like Ravashi is trying to prove, like this Raisa, that you're not allowed to feed animals which don't belong to you. So how are we going to explain the Mishnah according to that? I don't know. I mean, the truth is, the chayda for bees, the only thing you would give them is water. Anything else, they, they, they fend for themselves. They get the, the, the nectar, they make the honey. And you don't, you're not going to feed them anything else. Maybe that's why we choose the example of water. Or maybe it's something so simple, like putting water is also not allowed. I don't know how we're going to explain the logic of the other side, but that is the halacha, the other side, that if any food you're not allowed to put in front of animals which you're not obligated to feed. Okay. Now that we spoke about animals and feeding them, we're going to go a bit to Agadat about so here you're going to see what, what they said before about the, that they didn't have uh, pet dogs those days. Rabbi Yoyna taught by the doorway of the Nasi's house. My what does the Pasuk mean when it says, Tzadik din dalim. The Tzadik, which goes in Hashem, knows the judgment of the poor. 
So he answers, you did, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kelev, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows about a dog, Shem is a nice of Muatin, that he doesn't have much food, people don't, don't really care about the dog, they have a watchdog, they don't really care about them so much, so they throw them some bones, but then they, they forget about them. And the Fichos, therefore, Hashem wanted to help him. So, Shayach, he lost him in May of Gimel Yomim. He makes it the food does not digest for three days. And therefore, when it ate uh, one day, it could go on with that for another three days. Although we know that, uh, that uh, it says, a club in Azi Nefesh Liyodu Sova, they're never satisfied. That's a separate thing. They're not satisfied because they're Balitai. But they could last with, uh, with uh, one day for three days. Kiditanan. As we learned in the Mishnah regarding Tumavitarim, if an animal ate a piece of a, of, a, of a dead body, so how long would it stay in their body? And he would say that it's still there, it's still intact, and therefore it, may, it, it brings the tumor if it dies. If it brings the tumor, it brings the tumor to the house that it enters. If an animal enters the house and before it ate the piece of a dead body, and then it died. When it's alive, it's like a protection. When it dies, then the tumor, which is in its stomach, is as if it's in the house. But as long as it wasn't digested. Now, how long do we know it wasn't digested? By a dog for three full days. By birds and fish, which they could get the food very easily. As much time as if they would fall into the fire, they would burn. That's how long it takes for food that enters the stomach to be digested, which is very short, because they have food the whole time, so they digest very easily. So it's in the line of what we spoke over here, that animals that you raise, you have to feed. And then there are those that you don't have to feed. So some, some of those animals people care about more or care about less. Fine. Okay, why did Abiyena tell us that? It's obviously trying to teach us that it's not that we're not careful about feeding the dog and Hashem is trying to pay the dog for our carelessness, which means that we should, we should care about it. Shmamina, from this we hear, Urach it's a normal thing. It's to throw a piece of meat to a dog. How much should I give him? Now we're talking about a stray dog. So Omar I'm sorry, Omar Mori, Mishach Udne, the size of its ear, the Basre and hit it right afterwards. It shouldn't come back. You have to be kind to it. We don't want to make him a welcome customer. We don't want to make him come back. So you give him a piece of meat and then you give him a whack so he knows not to come back. And Hani Milibidabra, this is only in the field or in the in the in the, in the field, so then. He, one time you met a dog, throw him a piece of meat, and then, then just hit it, it shouldn't come back. Avalamasa in the town, lie, don't do it, he knows exactly where you are. So hitting won't help. The also the Mistrach, he can very easily get, get comfortable, and then you're going to have to throw him each time, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. So one time to be kind to him is one thing. But to have, it, have him on your, on your payroll is a bit different, and therefore, don't, don't, don't even do it once. Based on this idea, there's no one more poor than the dog. As we said, no one cared about a dog. They used it as a watchdog and they just threw it a bone every once in a while and they forgot to feed it. And there's not, no one richer than a chazer. First of all, it can eat anything. Secondly, people, people used to feed the chazer they want to eat it afterwards. The goyim had chazer and they fed them very well. Obviously, not as out of kindness and love to the chazer, but as out of kindness and love to themselves. They want to have good meat afterwards. 
but they would feed them a lot. So it's rich. It's 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 it has food anywhere, and uh, and and people care about it, so to say. Okay. Tanya kevasi the Rabbi Going now, we, we let's finish that. Got to go back to the halacha part. Rabbi Yehuda and Avuna Ramachoikis. What is amro, which is not allowed by a cat? Rabbi Yehuda says even by hand if you if you stuff it. And Avuna, I'm sorry, Rabbi Chista. Rabbi Chista said only if you stuff it with a keli. So Tanya, we don't embrace like Rabbi Yehuda. Easy amro, easy alota. What's amro? What's alota? Hamro is marbitza. You put it down on its on its feet, like on its knees. Upoik is a spear. You put a, a what do you call it? A, something in its mouth uh, to stop from closing, like the dentists sometimes do. Uh, uh, like a, they, they put a, there, they would put like a piece of metal so it can't close its mouth, basically. Oh, um. I think it's rain. Not rain, rain. Okay, you, you prop open its mouth, you, you, you force it open basically, you put something inside. Um, it's forcing to open its mouth. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like a funnel. Funnel? Okay, okay. But uh, it sounds like not that just like a piece in its mouth uh, wants to close it, it just doesn't go. No. So you put that into its mouth. You put in vetch, I think it was called again, the, the food that they would give for animals. They, they, and he put it with mine with water, which flows down, so it fl- flushes it down without stop, without being able to stop at the same time. So you basically force feed it, but it's by hand. It's standing up. And you, and you let it drink standing up. You put separately the veg and the water, although you might be also putting that piece to force its mouth open, but still, it's not flushing it down. It could like spit it out or like not just let it fall out. It's not forcefully feeding it. That's called a lot of, So it's clear, like Rabbi Yehuda, that that's the difference. Okay. Fine. Still, here's a subject of feeding animals. Here, I'm going to touch a bit on the subject of kneading. I'm not sure how much we're going to be able to cover from this. Let's see if we could start a bit. It's a, it's a complicated sugi also how to learn it. Lahalacha. Let's see if we can do it in a simple way. Okay, you could feed the, 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 the roosters by putting it in their mouth, fine. And then the main thing was about putting the water into the into the moorson, into, into the bran, into the wheat bran. You could pour, pour, in, pour in water, but you cannot knead it. So kneading comes out. The molocha of kneading is only kneading and not just combining, not just putting water into the brand. I said before my master, before Rabbi, which Tana holds like our Mishnah that pouring water is not an issue, only kneading it, only mixing it is an issue. And he told me, this is Rabbi Yisibar Yehuda. The Tana is not in a brice. The brice is not talking about brand, it's talking about flour. If one puts in flour, and one puts in water, the second one to put in water did the malacha of kneading just by putting the water. This is what Rabbi So what do we see? That the Yehuda holds the problem is only actually kneading. 
The Rebbe holds that the problem is also combining. That's exactly our mission. It's exactly Rebbe Shabbat Yehuda. Putting in water is not a problem. Kneading is a problem. Says the Gemara. Dilma, maybe. When does Rebbe Shabbat Yehuda say that it's not a problem to combine? It's typically needed. And when you need it, it actually becomes into one entity, to one dough. Avil Mursan, but brand the lav bar you don't need it and it doesn't turn into real one combination as flour and water. It's stuck together. It doesn't really turn into like a dough. So it's not called bar gibul, a kneadable object. There's such a word in English. I feel that he might even agree that since you don't, it's not kneadable. So what's called kneading by it? Just combining. And then I miss the won't fit to anyone. In other words, the Gemara's approach now is that if something is not typically needed or something which needing does not actually combine it to a dough, might be in a more strict status than something which is typically needed or turns into a dough. That's something which is typically needed. Okay, you got to need it. We didn't need it. He didn't do the job. However, something which is not needed. So what's called needing by it? Just combining. Maybe. That's what the Gemara suggests. And therefore, we have no proof that our Mishnah fits with Rabbi Sibar Yehudim. Says the Gemara, we can't say that. The Tanya Behad Yudim clearly in a price. You may not put water into bran. You're not to put water into bran. So we see clearly it applies even to something which is a needable. Now, some learn this Gemara and they point out something interesting. If you look in the last Braisa, it's at Chayiv. It's talking about Chayiv. It's talking about the Iraisi. Here, it's talking about what you're allowed to do. Noislin, ain't noislin. So some say that really, although in the Havamin of the Gemara, something not needable is worse than something needable. And the Maskana is the exact opposite. Something needable, so it's needable. So there's such a concept of needing. Something not needable, midairai, so there's no concept of needing. The whole question is midirabonu. And therefore, Rebbe says, okay, we're geyser, bran for flour. So just like by flour, midairai, so you may not pour the water. So by bran, midirabonu, you may not put the water. And Rebbe Yisrael says, no. Just like by flour, midairai, so you're allowed to put the water. And midirabonu, and midairai, the only problem is to need. So to buy bran, midirabonu. You, you're allowed to put the water, but you cannot need. That's the different ways how to learn this, uh, this Gemara, which brings the Machlika. I mean, here comes different Machlikas. If there's any leniency in something which is needable, which is not needable. Okay. Tanganabam, you don't have You may not need roasted wheat flour, or uh, toasted wheat flour, better said. And you would toast it with the wheat and then grind it and make it into a flour. And, uh, and then they would they, they, they would make some I don't know they would mix it in mix it with the with, with different liquids and eat it, it maybe similar but the wheat mix it's like toasted toasted wheat crushed into small pieces so they would do something similar to that so he says you're not allowed so the bride says you're not allowed to need it the yes and some say good you're not you're allowed to need it again you see over here that it's if you're allowed to or not allowed to. So some learn it's their ISIS, some learn no, it's their abundant. Which that's why you can understand why you're allowed to need it. 
In other words, if if um, um, one second. Oh, oh. So let's see. Man Now the Chayyim, we see over here an opinion which we didn't see before. We just said that there's a machloikis about pouring water, which, as the Mishnah said, you're not allowed to need. All of a sudden, we see in a rise that you're allowed to need. Who says that? Man Yeshayim. Who is the second opinion? Amar Chista, Rabbi Yisimah Yehuda. How could that be? The Chayyim, we know that he said he's not allowed to need. Only if he does something different, unusual. What's called making it unusual? Amr Avchista says, Avchista, al yad al yad, in very small quantities. That's unusual. Now, again, if we say that by things that are not needable, it's only Yahusim the Rabbonon, it makes a lot of sense that Rabbonon were makel when you do it a bit differently. If you say that it's a deiraisa, then it's a bit strange. We, the Rabbana never allowed to do things a bit differently, yad, an unusual way, unless it's extremely unusual. For example, to crush a pepper, we learned earlier with the handle of a, of, a, of a knife. That's something extremely unusual. But to mix these things in small quantities seemingly is not something so unusual. So how come, those that learned that it's a deiraisa, how come he allows such an unusual thing? Okay, that's a, that's, that's a question. But there's still two ways that I learned this Gemara, whether this question by unneedable objects, is it a deiraiz or the rabbana? Vishav and they both agree, Shabai Hashin is a shasis. You could, everyone agrees, they allow to mix shasis. Shasis is unripe, uh, unripe grain that they would toast those and mix, which uh, was uh, more unusual, more not needable. So that you're allowed to mix with water. You're allowed to drink which is made out of, out of, uh, out of barley, one second. Um, I don't remember now all the details. Um, but it's also grains that are mixed with water, which they would drink. Sometimes for a remedy, and sometimes just for for the fun of it, they would drink it. And you're allowed to mix it with water. Didn't he just say in the Mishnah you're not allowed to need? Says the Gemara. So again, there's two ways how to learn this. Some say this only applies to shosis, to the unripe wheat, which is extremely unusual to need. And then it is another stringency that it has to be a thin texture, not a thick texture. And something that applies to everything, even to kali, even to roasted wheat, toasted wheat, I'm sorry, that you're only allowed to mix it. That that we said earlier that you could do with the shinui is only on top of that, it's also a liquidy texture. And you have to make a, some, some change. Now, what's called a change? And I guess in these things, you cannot do it by small quantities because they were typically done with small quantities. There's a different way of changing. On the weekdays, they usually put vinegar first. They would mix this with vinegar. Then they would put this, this, this the powder. 
So b'shabes and shabes do the opposite. Nisan sashos is put first the powder. Vachach nisan asachim is change the order of what you put first, the liquid or the solid. Okay, I think I'll stop here. So uh, this, uh, maybe tomorrow we'll, we'll just summarize this first part again because it still it still continues the next piece. So let's summarize what we learned today. First, we spoke about different ways of feeding animals and shams. So there's, there's a bunch of words in the mission that you're allowed to do, you're not allowed to do. So you're basically not allowed to force feed an animal in a way that's usually done for, for extensive time or is a lot of work. You don't do that to an animal. Uh, it's not the it's not extra chicken not for Shabbos. But you don't have to feed them in a more normal way. Now, there's a lot of words which are hard to understand. And Abiyuda says that basically any force feeding is not allowed. Only feeding in a way that it could spit out. And Rav Chista says, no, even force feeding is allowed as long as you don't really make an avus. You don't really fill it up with a very large quantity unless it's done with a utensil. And at the end, we prove from Rav Naisa that any force feeding is not allowed. Then we spoke about the not allowed to feed uh, stray animals, free, uh, free animals, animals which are, don't belong to you, not allowed to feed. We prove that then from, from, from Brysis, uh, that you're not allowed to feed only, only animals that belong to you, you're allowed to feed on Shabbos or on Yom Tov. You're not allowed to work for something which you're not obligated to do for an animal. Okay, then there was a drash about a dog. Uh, that's uh, the Ibshah's Rechmana sent him because no one wants to feed him. And if you if you do feed him because you have Rahman, it's make sure to hit him afterwards, you shouldn't come back. Okay. Then we started speaking about the subject of kneading. And the Mishnah says that in our Mishnah, at least, by, by bran, you can pour water but not knead. And the Gemara says that follows one opinion, Rabbi Sibra Yehuda. That he says that, that combining is not a problem, or some learn combining by things that are not typically needed or don't actually form a dough, then uh, combining wood is not a problem, only kneading is a problem. And some explain it's the Rabbanon, some explain it's the rice. And then we brought some rices which said that even allowed to knead. How is that possible? With a shinu. And in some cases, or maybe in all cases, on top of a shinu, it has to be also. A uh, runny texture. So it's not really a dough, and it's a runny texture, and you're making a shini in the combination as well as the Gemara describes. You put in, in a different order the liquids and the solids. So it's, 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 it's different ways how to learn this Gemara. It depends that by, by toasted wheat, you're allowed to make a thick texture, some say. It just, and, and you only have to make a shini when you're actually mixing it. They should do it in small quantities. However, by a shosis, by the not ripe wheat that they would make, they would toast and make it a bit different, uh, then there it has to be a runny texture and, and a shini by combining. And some say, no, in all cases, by toasted wheat, by the shosis, you have to have all the above. It has to be a shini in the combining, a shini in the mixing, a uh, runny texture, which that would be actually the, the aloha that's accepted is, that we, we won't follow Rabbi Yisrael Yehuda, we'll follow Rabbi that you're not allowed to combine even by, uh, by, uh, by uh, things that are not typically typically needed or don't form a dough, but you can do it with a shinoi if it's a runny texture. If it's a runny texture, there's a lot of opinions about it, a lot of different opinions in the Poiskim, but that seems to be the Alter Rebbe, and it's a seem to be more in this path it, it following uh, 
follows the Rambam follows different uh, different opinions that that uh, that we, that uh, things that don't form a dough are are more lenient category, and therefore only there you're allowed to uh, do a shinig. But it has to be also a runny texture. It has to also be a runny texture and a shinig in the combination and in the mixing. We'll try to clarify what we do tomorrow when we finish it up.